The Hear Me Project is an initiative of Carnegie Mellon University's Create Lab. The website for the Create Lab is www.cmucreatelab.org. And the website for Hear Me is www.hear-me.net. Yeah. Go ahead. Did I say my name? No. no. Okay. Hear Me is a conduit for students to contribute their voices to meaningful conversations and raise awareness around youth issues. We amplify their voices using media and technology to create a world where they are heard, acknowledged, and understood, giving them power to inspire social change. Hear Me is an initiative of a Create Lab at Carnegie Mellon University. Good job. Hello and welcome to the Hear Me Podcast. Over the past seven years, we've turned the mic to thousands of young people to highlight their often marginalized or just ignored voice. If you don't know by now, Hear Me amplifies kids' voices using media and technology to create a world where they are heard, acknowledged, and understood, giving them the power to hopefully inspire social change. That's been our guiding mission, to listen and to invite other adults to listen. It's why you're listening right now, hopefully. Uh, But for those of you who don't know, 2017 is our last year of doing outreach efforts from the Create Lab, which also means that this will be our last Hear Me podcast. We hope that the podcast allowed our listeners to hear more of the story around each project. Writing, producing these podcasts push us to be more reflective about what we were learning. We're sad this is our last episode, but we feel really good about shifting our time and energy to supporting others in youth voice work. Also, it's time for the project to find a home with our partners, who are really good at doing youth programming. So many of them are making Hear Me their own and continue the work of amplifying youth voice. You can keep up with them on our blog and social media. Uh, If you haven't listened to the first episode of this podcast, it's a really good recap of how we've worked and what we've done. After all this time, we have about 8,500 stories on the Hear Me site. We'd have loved to revisit all the different programs we've done, the campaigns, uh, Hear Me 101. But we think a better use of our time is to do what we really love, and that's talking about what we've learned from this project. And we've learned a lot. So I'm now joined with Ryan Hoffman, Jessica Pachuda, and Jessica Kaminsky. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about what we've learned over the past seven years. Uh, starting with Ryan Hoffman. Uh, Ryan, what's your favorite lesson learned from your time at Hear Me? I'd say the most important lesson seems like an obvious one, uh, being that it was called Hear Me, but it was just to uh, the power of listening to people. It's easy to get in the habit of listening to people and then saying your piece and then you know, kind of going on with your life. Can you think of a specific time when this really stuck out to you? Well, yeah, I think probably when we were interviewing students for the Kidsburg Project and we were talking to these kids who were talking about their life and drive-by shootings and things like that. And uh, even though there was absolutely nothing I could do for them, and in my mind, like, neat that I was listening to them, but they need actual help, you could see from six-year-olds how cathartic it was to tell their story and be heard. Um, And that was kind of when I realized that that was a, a useful thing to do for people in itself, and you don't always have to have the solution to help them out. Listening is powerful and 
worthy a worthy cause on its own. My name is DeWarren and I'm 13 years old. The neighborhood where my grandma lives is peaceful and nice and quiet. It's different because other places like they're loud and a lot of stuff is going on. And that's where my grandma lives is like the peacefulest place to me. The only place I don't feel safe is my aunt. She lives on Zara Street, like a little bit over there. It's like a lot of shooting and stuff. At um, One time a bullet actually went through my aunt's house and it, I just don't feel comfortable. I don't even go over there no more. I think people should care because it's a lot of violence and other people can get hurt or lose their lives. Kind of leads into like, when you're listening, you're also a steward of that story, um, which leads to Jess Pominski. One of the things that I realized through Hear Me was that you are hearing somebody's story, they're trusting you with that story, and you're promising to give it, um, to share it respectfully with an audience. And it stuck out to me when we were doing the police campaign, um, the youth police relations campaign. People started asking me to retell the stories that I heard from young people. And it felt very uncomfortable for me to be telling the stories about especially about negative interactions with police officers when they weren't my own story. And it was clear that they were not my story. It made me very uncomfortable that people were asking me to do it and it, and it made me have to get a little bit more reflective as to why that was a problem. Um, I understood that people were trying to get more of a context for where these stories came from, but it felt weird to be the one describing all of that. Especially when I had the story told by the young person that they could just listen to. I think that that's where our decision to be creating a podcast was very useful because we could start telling the bigger context of one of these stories, why we were interviewing these students, um, who's going to be listening to these stories, where these students came from, but then it also could be their own voices telling their own stories. My name is Mia, I'm 13 and I live in East Hills. What would you tell the mayor and city council the next chief of police should be like? Someone who has a goal for Pittsburgh to see a change in Pittsburgh, somebody who's going to have police officers invest more in what's going on. Like, for instance, I mean, I feel like there's certain cases that you hear about and they just like let those cases just roll away and they don't really dig deep into who did what or what actually happened. So someone who's going to dig deeper into the cases that they have, somebody who has who wants to and who's going to let a change happen. Well, my opinion on it is sometimes it could be because of their race. If it was a white person being murdered by a black person, they would arrest that black person and dig deep into it. But if it's vice versa, I feel like they don't try to dig that deep into it. Or they'll try and make it so that the white person has doesn't have to go in jail as long. I think that's one of the things that we did to be able to steward somebody's story with more responsibility and humility than we had been doing previously. Which kind of makes me think of what I was going to say in that adults don't know how to listen all the time. I'm kind of speaking to adultism. I'm going to go back to mine, but we'll then move to Jess Pachuda. So I came into the Hear Me Project with the mantra that youth should be producers and not just consumers. And I'm excited that I've heard that idea spread. Um, And I think that's such an important lesson that we came in, that I came into this with, but I still strongly believe that. And what I learned about during my time at Hear Me was more about the how and the why. 
the how and the why of why youth should be producers and more than just consumers. And I think that it addresses the idea of how youth are excluded from creating narratives and how they're positioned to not have authority to create and tell stories, um, especially when it comes to media. So similarly, I think it illustrates the concepts of adultism and that being the idea that society is biased towards adults and against youth and that with adultism, youth can't produce anything that is valued equally. And I think that our experience at Hear Me sort of proves that idea wrong. It proves adultism wrong. And it challenges the ideas that youth should be passive consumers of media and of knowledge um, and of education. So I think the other learning that I have related to that is that when we were on the ground um, in the field recording media with youth and creating media with youth, that we were able to build a lot of empathy and understanding for the way that young people en masse feel, um, in my interpretation, oppressed and suppressed. And that's why I think that really media creation does matter and that you know a project like this does matter and makes a big difference. And so I think helping, helping our partners to reframe that youth are capable of being really powerful consumer producers um, and not consumers was uh, made a really big impact too. That reminds me of um, when we were at a conference, there was a woman who asked the question of who benefits from this story being told. And I think it was also why I felt uncomfortable telling somebody else's story. And I think also why it was important to give power in the ability to create their own stories to young people because that's who should benefit from these stories being told. Um, not me as the translator for it, not anybody else. Yeah, that question helped me go back and think about you know, our, why we were doing this, how we were doing this, and reinforce why it was important to give young people the ability to tell their own stories. And Ryan, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, how like the first step into kind of fighting all of this is to actually just listen. Absolutely. Coming in, I didn't really have a strong formed opinion that young people were passive consumers of media. When it comes to creating media, young people were the ones who kind of have the advantage um, because most a lot of media is targeted to young people. And so a lot of media is adults trying to replicate young people's lives and bring that to life through you know stories or TV shows or whatever. But young people are the ones who are living it and so have the inherent expertise. I just never thought to ask them before. So it makes perfect sense that young people are the ones who should have a say in creating media and be able to create their own media. Especially when so much is targeted towards them. Yeah. They say by the time you're an adult, most of your tastes and what media you consume are kind of set, like in music and in movies and things like that. Like, Adults aren't the people seeking out new forms of media and consuming it, it's young people. I know you've said how it makes you feel, but how do you respond to someone who's telling you, tell me this other person's story? Well, now that we had a podcast, I would tell them to go listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, and I got sucked into it for a while where I would answer, but feel uncomfortable when I was answering. I think now I'd be more likely to just, you know, you could just pull it up on your phone. We have this content. This is the, supposed to be the great part about creating media is that it could just be that voice that you bring up somewhere else, that you don't have to have that person there, but you can still have their voice there, which is why I really liked our audio work. Well, when I think about it, because what mine lesson learned being um, to like listen to young people and not always rely on adults for expertise. 
telling people. It's great to have like these audio stories to be like, here's a youth actually telling the story. Um, hopefully that proves them that the follow-up statement is also like, well, you can ask a young person. Like you don't have to assume that adults will answer for them. You can actually go to the source. You can talk to the young people in your lives. You can actually fight against your own adultism and start asking young people things. As adults, like there's a tendency to almost otherize young people mm-hmm. um, and sort of make them this object of our policy, of our education system, of, um, of our media, and that in doing so, we kind of absolve ourselves of the obligation to build real relationships with people and I think that's one of the one of the things that I learned to really care about is that um, you know what youth really want and crave are those relationships that mean something with other people, and the way that you know our media and our systems work actually work against that. You know, they're they're inefficient systems to serve young people because we've created a way that young people are this other. Hmm. Yeah. And you have to be careful to not go too far to the other side and tokenize young people either, um, which can be a, which can be kind of a trap when you're thinking about this. Like when you tell someone, well, you should ask a young person, that should be also kept in mind that not all young people are the same. Uh, people have different perspectives, and it's about building a relationship, not just getting answers. Yeah, and I think to what JP was saying, I think to what Jess was saying, um, I think adults have the tendency to to look at problems or issues they had when they were young and be like, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. So this attitude that, oh, what's happening when you're 14 doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It mattered a lot to you when you were 14. And I think interviewing young people helped remind me that like, just because I think this was so long ago and isn't important anymore, like that's not someone else's reality. It's happening for them right now. And it's as important as anything that's happening to anybody else. That's a really good point. So I wanted to be a teacher. I thought I had lots of answers. (laughs) I thought that I could impart lots of knowledge. And then I got this job where I had to sit down and I couldn't respond. I had to just ask questions and listen to what was being said. And it really changed my relationship to young people, changed my relationship just listening. Um, And Hear Me always tried to approach it with the attitude that I respect whatever you're saying, which also meant that even if there was an opinion being shared that was dramatically different than mine, I sat and I listened and I took that as the truth of that person who was sharing it. And I think that that taught me a lot about how to listen to other people um, and also expanded just what I knew and what I understood because I had to take what you were saying as truth. So I had to take what you were what somebody else was saying as truth and it made me a lot more reflective and it opened up my mind to consider consider different points of view that I don't know that I would have if I didn't if I wasn't forced to sit down and listen over and over again. I think it's really changed the way that I interact with people. I totally agree. I think the, the idea that, uh, that someone else's truth is just as valuable as yours, even if it's not how you perceived the situation, or it doesn't really matter if, if what they're saying is factually true, um, how it made them feel was true, and then the, Hear Me was the first time, I mean, personally, I'd ever been really introduced or took that idea seriously. And also to go back to what you are saying about how Ryan, uh, when you grow up, you're like, oh, those problems were so long ago. You also don't assume that young people are experiencing the same problems as you. 
that they have a whole different set of problems. Uh, for example, when I was doing the youth employment campaign, uh, I assumed that youth unemployment wasn't that big of a deal because it's like, well, that's that's an adult problem and they have their young people problems. Uh, but you realize that they're concerned about a lot of the similar things that you're concerned about, but no one's asking them about those things. Hello, my name is Kajan. I'm 13 years old. I live in on the north side. Yes, I want a job because so I can um, help my mom um, get food for us and everything. Yeah, and it's a summer. Yes, I am trying to get a job, like a summer job or something. Well, it's going good. Have to fill out applications over and over. And that's why I think that what we were doing, in a sense, was kind of radical in that as adults, we were turning the microphone around um, and sometimes for the first time ever telling young people that they had the answer and we needed the answer from them and that they had the expertise and that the truth of their lives and their stories mattered on a universal level sometimes and that the newness of flipping that relationship was something that I learned was really powerful and then helped to helped me learn how powerful young people's stories really could be in changing the tide or changing a conversation. To add to that, just for a second, um, I don't know that I realized that it was a radical idea at first, but then seeing the reaction of some of these young people be like, wait, you want to know what I have to say? And almost like, why do you want to know what I have to say? That was enough to show that there was power in asking, asking them to tell their stories and that they were getting something out of telling their stories. Didn't it break your heart a little bit sometimes, too, when young people were like, what, me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like no one's ever asked them before. <laughs> right, no one's <laughs> or ever. Or said, you know, you have something to say that matters. Yeah. If you haven't felt like that personally, it's, hmm. it's hard to believe that people feel like that until you listen to them. Right. I think that's one of the things that I liked about the campaign model um, is that there was a, a level of, of uh, seriousness and trust that we were going to make sure that these stories were heard by somebody became a little difficult uh, to build up that relationship with the audience, which is something that I'm excited to continue to, to chase that idea, to explore that idea. But I think that when we were doing this campaign model and said, you know, your representatives in Harrisburg are going to be listening to what you have to say about school funding. Students knew that somebody was going to be hearing them. And when they realized somebody in Harrisburg was going to be listening to them and that Hopefully their voice had the ability to, to shape what was happening. My name is Nia and I'm 13. I go to Lingobach Elementary School. I think if we had more money to, uh, to add to our school, our school would have a lot more equipment that people probably need, like more laptops or like extra activities so kids could learn more or just our teachers coming back and being able to get paid so they wouldn't have to work for like a low amount or have to work for free. My teacher that had um, had to leave the school due to budget cuts told me that um, she worked very lo- like for a low amount of money, but she stayed because it was her students and she wanted to continue on the journey. But then she had to leave eventually. It was just like it was, it was sad that she had to. She was like getting paid a low amount, but it was like it was that feeling that she was really she really appreciated us or um, was really caring for us because she stayed although the money was low. Well, let's visit the concept of audience real quick. Because one of the things that we learned was that um, cultivating youth voice, creating media with youth, capturing it was just part of the equation. 
And we learned that early on, and we tried lots of different zany things to try to make sure that these stories were reaching ears and not falling on deaf ears. Um, and And I think that that concept of deaf ears and that audience that was sort of half in, half out was one of the big obstacles that we had. When we had a solid partner or we had a good pathway to an audience, that was a win for us because we could promise that stories would be heard and then that actually happened. Uh, But I think on a grand scheme of things, the idea of cultivating an audience of adults who are going to intentionally and thoughtfully listen to what young people have to say is uh, a bigger barrier for the entire sort of youth media space and for what, uh, what happens in the lives of young people. I think having an audience changes the way that you speak on a logistic manner, like then you could be more specific in who you were talking to and you could point out more specific problems or suggest more specific solutions. Um, so I think it helped to focus what people, what young people were saying. I think uh, when there was an audience, I also saw it change the way young people were talking. Um, when we promised that there was a, an audience, and I remember very specifically working with a group of young men who were high school age, talking about relationships with police officers. They were extremely reluctant to start this conversation. Um, promised a level of anonymity because it was audio, um, because they could choose not to use their name if they didn't want to use their name, and also told them that this would be going to to the mayor, to city council, uh, to the new police chief who we would be hiring. And it suddenly became something that the uh, one of the young men in the group was pulling over other students, uh, other young men, to talk about their experience. And they were not happy experiences necessarily. Um, they were things that are difficult to talk about, but they felt that there was an importance to saying these things and to being heard by somebody who hopefully would be listening to them and could make a change. Um, I think just by promising that there was this audience out there and that trusted me enough to get their stories to this audience, it changed the way that they spoke and the power that they thought, the power that they believed they had in sharing their story. Uh, and it's, it's what we're saying also with this is that yes, it was we used a technology recording device. We taught audio production through a computer software program, but it wasn't a tech project. It was a relationship and advocacy. Well, yeah, the focus, our focus, and everybody else who, well, the team and everybody conducting interviews, our focus was so little on technology that when people would ask how we were tied to a technology lab, we'd have a hard time explaining it. Um, Because we viewed ourselves as people who built relationships with young people and organizations who served young people rather than technologists. The technology was important, as um, Jess Kaminsky was saying. Like, we used... We used audio, so it was anonymous. We used editing software that was accessible. It was free audio, or free audio editing software. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, the content was important. The relationships were what were important, and the technology were just a means to an end, which is kind of the point of technology, I guess. To sit down, to like sit down with somebody one-on-one and be able to look them in the eye and just yes. like the body language with it, and, and sometimes... Um, Starting an interview could always be a little bit awkward, especially depending on uh, you had to find quiet spaces and sit close together so you could get good quality audio and things like that that are uncomfortable with somebody that you don't have a relationship with yet. But I think that this team did a good job of uh, listening so respectfully that that there was a relationship built by the end of a lot of those interviews. 
and the relationships with the organizations and with this young people specifically. All of our Hear Me 101 student documentary interns uh, that we had, that we got to spend the summer with and, and our first interns, Michael and Devante, and just the relationships that we built through stuff like that. I learned so much, so much through those. And when thinking about technology, even the Hear Me kiosks, uh, at the end of the day, are just a thing, right? They're a really great tool to help draw people into the concept of um, of youth voice and that youth storytelling matters. But that's it. You know, they're a way to make the they're a way to make youth youth stories tangible and physical. But what really matters to us is that we can help build awareness um, and build empathy through storytelling. And whatever technology comes along with it is in service of that storytelling and that relationship building and the and the purpose of humanizing people through storytelling. And Ryan, like who was in charge of placing the kiosk, even the process of putting kiosk places was about relationship building and connecting communities and community spaces and business owners to young people's voice and being an advocate in their own right. Absolutely. It was a... Uh... It was a really interesting experience walking into coffee shops and asking them if I could put a kiosk on their wall that featured a story from a young person. You would then have to explain why stories from young people are important and why we want people to hear them. Um, it didn't all didn't always go over well. Hashtag adultism. Hashtag adult. I want to hear one of these <clears throat> pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, <laughs> Try to think of one. Um, You'd often walk into these coffee shops and be like, hi, my name's Ryan, I'm from the Hear Me Project at CMU. Um, is your manager available or owner? And then that person would come out and you'd introduce yourself. And then you would tell them that your job is to go around Pittsburgh <laughs> interviewing young people at schools with audio recorders and then editing those stories to one-minute sound clips, which you then have put in a little audio device that we've placed in a tin can that they can put up to their ear to listen to. And isn't it funny that it's reminiscent of the tin can telephones of yesterday? <laughs> and so once they digested that, they'd have to consider whether or not they wanted to do it. Um, most people had slightly more apathetic view of like, yeah, yeah put it up. <laughs> um, you know, and some people were really into it. Some people were like, this is such important work. And I think at the beginning, when I was placing these, I didn't really understand why it was important work entirely, well, why these little kiosks needed to be on walls and why people drinking coffee needed to listen to a student talk about how they don't have enough money for pencils and rulers at their school. Um, I think the kiosks specifically, although I wouldn't say they were wildly successful in conveying a message, I think they were symbolically successful in showing young people that we're putting their stories in a public forum and showing the public that those groups out there actively trying to promote what young people have to say um, even if it was in a mildly silly way, like a tin can on a wall of a coffee shop. Um, my name is Amma. I'm a 10th grader, Pittsburgh Alderdice High School. I feel like um, as kids, we shouldn't be char characterized as children because we have uh, ideas that are uh, at the same level as um, and intellectually as well as adults. And students um, should not be disrespected at, uh, their opinions or be shut down. Because I see like many students that are, their opinions are shut down, even though they're brilliant and better the, um, than the opinions of the adults. Because adults are not in the classroom, they don't experience what you experience, and they don't see what's going on. They can implement something, but if the students don't agree with it or their ministry 
administrators or people below the um, board does not agree with it, then it will not be followed through enough. And that's like one of the main reasons why students are so unhappy is because all these ideas are great, but they're not being followed through enough. And with that, we want to thank everyone who has supported Hear Me over the years. Uh, your support has meant so much to us. A special thanks to all of the people and groups and organizations that have partnered with us over the last seven years. We really could not have done it without you. Uh, but most of all, thanks to all the young people who shared their insightful perspective with us. You taught us so much, and we can't thank you enough. Thanks for listening. This has been the Hear Me Podcast. We're on the ocean.